0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Table Church Podcast. Today we're doing session, is it three, of Practicing Victory? Four. Four. (laughs) Wow, we've done four of these. So we're in a series called Practicing Victory, and we're talking about how Jesus has power over forces of darkness in the world. Um, Kind of a, it's an important subject, also a very weird one sometimes. So we thought we'd dive in. I've got a I've got a passage I want to read, and um, then Megan and I are going to talk about it. And then we have some questions that some people have asked about this stuff that we want to address as well. So buckle up; it's going to be fun. I'm going to read Colossians chapter two, verses six through fifteen. And here's what it says: It says, "So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened." In the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off. When you were circumcised by christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of god who raised him from the dead verse 13 when you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh god made you alive with christ he forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us he has taken it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross so that's a power passage isn't mm-hmm. it that's what we call power verse <laughs> that's like one that you should tape to your mirror and read in the mornings yeah it's
1: like a power bar
0: mhm for your but soul words. for your soul yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what do you want what do you want to mm. bring out of that Megan, what do we well, need to do uh, I mean from that there's passage? a
1: lot there's a lot in there, but as we move on today, we're gonna finish up kind of this first part of the conversation that we've had. Now for the the fourth week here, we're talking about just like the basic foundations of who Jesus is and what that means for us when it comes to this stuff. Um, and so we're gonna be transitioning after this week kind of um, into talking more about what this actually means for how we practice these things in our everyday life. So have we been talking about that? Yes, but we're going to talk about it a whole lot more. So as we're transitioning into that, this is the last week we're going to be talking about these things. and so just a few more questions that we're gonna answer. but as we look at this text, I just think it's a really good place to go if you want to get, like I'll always call it like building yourself a raft so that you can, you know travel. Some, you know rocky waters just like what does this say about who Jesus is and what I have because of that and we're gonna get into that more today Um, But yeah, you know, so you receive Christ Jesus as Lord But then you need to continue to live your lives in him like the very first sentence is just like you receive Jesus and Then there's this assumption that you're going to live your life in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness
0: So, like, accepting Jesus as my Lord isn't just a one-time, one-and-done kind of deal. It is not. That's what this verse suggests (laughs) to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's simple. I mean, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people who've perhaps been Christians for a while Mm -hmm. could perhaps be familiar with what Paul writes in Colossians, but not be so familiar with it in their everyday experience Mm -hmm. or really understand what that means for them. So... Um, When you look at that, there's just this constant expectation that you receive Jesus and then your life is just entirely lived in him.
0: So that moment of accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, right? Mm -hmm. Common language in our tradition. Um, Rather than kind of seeing that as like the the fullness of salvation, it's like step one Mm -hmm. of an eternity, you know, step one of a life that will go on as it says here, being rooted and built up in him, strengthened the faith. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I mean, and he goes on to talk about, you know, you were uncircumcised, you know, mm-hmm. like before, before Jesus, there was a life you had before Jesus and a life you had after Jesus. So that clear moment is there, but now you're entirely, you know, your, your old life is entirely put away mm-hmm. for this new thing. And that has implications right now. And for later, um, So yeah, you were dead, now you're alive.
0: So he, uh, and then he'll bring it into like, he says, make sure no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. So um, the other, you know, trends and thought currents of the day, uh, make sure that you don't buy into that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says they depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, which uh, commonly has been understood as like, Mm -hmm. yeah, dark dark spiritual forces.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he says this in other ways in other places, but b- before Christ, you couldn't have done anything, but be caught up mm-hmm. in all of those things. Um, like, but now you have a power and an ability to see things in a new way and choose something different. So, um, that is a big deal. Yeah. Big deal.
0: It is in verse nine is a big deal too. It says for in Christ, <laughs> all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And that's such an important verse, I think to have a good theology of who Jesus is. Like he is all the deity, all of God is in Christ. It says all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And later on it'll reiterate that. But, uh, that means that if you can't say it of Jesus, you can't say it of God, mm-hmm. you know, like Jesus is uh, the other passage that Paul write in Colossians. that he is the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. You want to see God? You got to look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, And so that's important. He's brought us to fullness. He's the head over the power. He's head over every power and authority, which gets us into what we wanna talk about here. He's Mm -hmm. head over every power and authority. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, so I love that this establishes that you are with Jesus, you're in him now. So that means everything is different. And if you wouldn't describe your life as very different now that you have entirely given yourself over to Jesus, then there's something you're missing. That's good that you can have today. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about like engaging with warfare and all that stuff, it either freaks people out and they run away or they like want to engage with it on a level that's maybe unhealthy because uh, I don't know, they find it interesting or oh engaging sure. yeah. you know <laughs> like there's two ways to do it or, you or can even, either be too tough
0: or even like the power you yeah know, that, like abusing power the feeling of power that comes with exactly
1: this. like you either run away from it or perhaps abuse power like in a weird, in a weird way mm-hmm. um and so when we're talking about these things i think it's just good to establish that and remember that that everything is already fully contained in jesus and you are fully contained in jesus and so that's a good way to uh look at this. And we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. Right so,
0: on. There you go. Okay. So anything else we want to pull out of this? Um, mm. We, yeah, he, he uh, says that like this life um, being, having been brought to fullness, that this is initiated when we were buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the working of, of God. This is, this is uh, one of my foundational texts for baptism as well. Um, we were buried with Christ in baptism. We were raised in, with him in it as well. Mm -hmm. It says through your faith in the working of God. So Mm -hmm. the Christian enacts the death and resurrection of Jesus Mm -hmm. through baptism.
1: And there's literally nothing that you do that you're not doing with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when we're too quick to say, don't be afraid or whatever, um, that is true. But a lot of people don't, don't live that experience of actually feeling like they're with Jesus. Mm -hmm. But when you understand that you do find yourself doing things that, you maybe would have been running the other direction from right. in the past. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> so so yeah, we're gonna talk about all of that here in just a little bit. But just like that that if I was gonna say anything to wrap up this before we move on, that remembering that there is nothing that you do in your life now, as a person who is redeemed, that isn't done entirely with Jesus and in Jesus. And so, as we talk about what we're doing next, just that's the framework for everything. God's never asking you to do anything that He's not also doing with you. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. We
0: should wrap up quick with just verses 14 and 15 it says, um God forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us he has taken it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross yeah. so when you talk about the authority of jesus it's like it's not just power like he embarrassed mm-hmm. like the the dark forces he disarmed them and made a public spectacle of them mm-hmm. on the cross yeah nobody expected that the cross would actually be Jesus's enthronement, like the the, the greatest manifestation of his power, but mm-hmm. it was in that moment he defeated and overthrew darkness mm-hmm. and so as a Christian, if you want to know like your greatest weapon against darkness, it's the cross and manifesting the cross in your life through yep. things like enemy love mm-hmm. and forgiveness and self you know selfless denial and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm. so exactly and that's like we talked about this i believe with like uh one of the wesley time machine episodes but um just that idea that like you can in christ take anything that the enemy is throwing at you anything the world is throwing at you any mission that the world or the enemy has to tear you apart you are already fully contained in christ who has already entirely disarmed those things and while they might have some active power in your life right now, you already contain within you the fullness of Christ, the power to flip it on its head. And so that is this big mystery that I have lived over and over and over again as a believer. And I know you have too, Phil, that when Mm -hmm. things come at you, it can be a moment of like, like a very brilliant reality of how powerful Jesus is. Because in the darkest things that get thrown at you, you can throw it back. (laughs) And so um, it's incredible. I think nobody would ever ask for anything difficult to ever happen to them. Nobody asks for, you know, attacks from the enemy or stuff to happen to you in the world that's hard. But when you're able to, in Christ, look at what you have in Christ and understand your authority to tell things no, to push things away, to choose something else than what you know every fiber of your being might be feeling mm-hmm. like doing that's power mm-hmm. and usually as christians that kind of power gets lived out like you said with hospitality humility forgiveness truth yeah. telling and love all of that that's so good. we're going to talk about that today
0: all right let's let's do it
1: all right so the point for today we practice victory by choosing to follow jesus as our master
0: okay that's, that's our point.
1: That's the big point.
0: We practice victory by choosing to follow Jesus as our master.
1: Mm-hmm. So the, really, that's just it. Like all of spiritual warfare can be wrapped up in saying, is Jesus your master and are mm-hmm. you following him? Mm-hmm. And he's not your master if you're not following him. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, as so you got Matthew sixteen twenty four. then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. John eight, it says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Like if you want to know, am I a disciple? That is how you know.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, can you be a Christian without being a disciple? That's the big question.
1: I think I know what we would say. (laughs) Yeah, I think we
0: would say no, like a disciple is a student of Jesus. That's a Christian, a -hmm. person who's following Christ, Mm -hmm. a Christ one.
1: Yep. So can you be a Christian and not be a disciple? No. But do many people call themselves Christians and then not live as a disciple? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that is where things get messy for us. That's why practicing following Jesus can be so exhausting and hard for people is when you try to be a Christian but not follow Mm -hmm. Jesus. So that's hard. All right. So. As Christians, everything that we have to say and do about evil is framed in the context of victory. So, like I was saying before, like there's nothing, there's nothing that you combat with Jesus in the world today or within your own soul today that isn't already framed in the context of victory. Like it's settled. That's it. That's it. And so, there are things right now that are not right entirely yet, but it's already a story you're, you're, that's beginning to unfold, but you understand yeah. it's in the context of victory. It never leaves the victory sandbox.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. The, the Vic, I kind of think of it as in a way like that, that the cross and resurrection victory was initiated and, and you know, new creation will be actualized. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, we're on that inevitable path. Yep.
1: Yeah. And so as you, as you think about whether you're a person who in the past would say you engage with spiritual warfare by not, engaging with it as much as possible. Or mm-hmm. if you'd say, I don't know, I've been a part of some stuff that I, I'm i not sure. Or you'd say, I don't know, I've just always felt like drawn to it or something like that. Wherever you're at in that, um, this is this is for everybody. Context of victory. So spiritual warfare and victory is made up of selfless, obedient choices in the middle of your ordinary life. So when we think about spiritual warfare, a lot of times we think about like Fantastical things, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but really, like the heart of this—the real, like bread and butter of what it is to live as a victorious Jesus follower—is warfare and victory. That's made up of a lot of selfless, obedient choices that you make in the middle of your ordinary life, usually when no one's looking, and Mm -hmm. definitely often when you would rather do something else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because those are the moments. Those are the moments that are going to determine. Um, the resources you've got when mm-hmm. weird things happen. Yeah. You know, when exactly. the big things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, what What narrative have you um, attached yourself to the rest of your life? You know, what story about the world have you believed to be most true? Mm-hmm. Well, that's determined in those small choices. And when you are faithful in those small choices, then the big ones or the big moments, I guess, the big moments of crisis, um, like your who you are and what you'll be in those moments is already determined.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. and most of the stuff that i know this to be true of me most of the stuff that the enemy is doing that jacks you up and destroys stuff in your life is happened in it happens in subtle ways when you're blind to it or numb to it or distracted by something yeah. else mm-hmm. and so you're constantly being formed no matter what in all kinds of ways and you're either deliberately choosing to go against the tide and be formed by Jesus in the midst of all these other distractions. Or you're kind of numbing out and allowing the enemy to form you in ways you don't even realize and then suddenly something bigger happens and Mm -hmm. it all kind of comes to light. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so all that to say, the normal everyday life of the Christian is gonna be spent wrestling in prayer, resisting evil, and seeing victory. So Jesus followers are familiar with victory.
0: Yeah, and just to reiterate again, when we say this language of victory, we're talking about like the small things in your life,
1: you mm-hmm. know. Like actual you can see victory mm-hmm. often. Yeah, and not just like big stuff every 5 years you maybe see something cool happen, like every day of your life can be saturated with victory that you see in your own heart, in your own life, in your family, in your home. I don't know anybody that isn't pretty aware of some tensions in their house, Mm -hmm. right? Right. (laughs) Or, you know, things that are not quite as good as we want to think that they are, Mm -hmm. Um, things that are not as okay as we think that they are, Um, you know, everything is not fine.
0: Our emotional and mental health these days are rough, you know, like people are feeling really, really bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, we just got to remember that we have victory in Christ Mm -hmm. and we can take authority over some of these things.
1: Mm -hmm. And that victory is real. It's not Um, just this idea of like, yeah, I know I have victory in Christ, but like you should be familiar with the feeling of being healed and seeing other people get healed and being able to break through temptations you have to get angry again to Mm -hmm. the point that you sin and all those things like it should be normal and regular and an everyday thing for you to be working this stuff out wrestling with it and seeing things happen and if it's not familiar to you you're not alone but there's more there's a lot more
0: still go to your counselor though
1: Mm -hmm. sure yeah
0: like we're not (laughs) We're not. We're not saying that like none of that that stuff isn't real or something like that by any stretch. Um, no, we're
1: actually going to talk about that uh, mm-hmm. next week. Next okay. time. Cool. Yes, we are, but we are not saying that. Yeah. That is very true, but that's that's a part of victory, right? Yeah. Like the vulnerability of going mm-hmm. and getting help when you know you need it so that yep. you can be a holistically healthy person.
0: Right, yeah. And because uh, we got to recognize that sometimes victory is not in the alleviation of the problem the way you want it to be alleviated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes victory is in like developing the courage to face it mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be open to what kind of victory Jesus actually wants to to bring out in you.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you accept that there may be a case for Jesus to empower you to have true victory, but still need to stay in a situation you just want to run away from. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are things you just need to run away from. Mm -hmm. And that's why you shouldn't be making decisions on your own. Mm -hmm. You need to have people in your life that can help you. But there's a whole lot of times that victory is going to mean having the clarity and discernment and power to love when you want to run. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and,
0: and wisdom is the ability to know those things, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like maybe you're in a situation that is not, you know, you'd prefer it to go away. You've got a difficult situation at work or whatever. And you, and yeah, let's pray that God would, you know, like solve that problem. But maybe he wants to make you the kind of person that can exist in it healthy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. That's the, also yeah. victory.
1: I mean, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later too, but like the notion that when we stop expecting the exterior circumstance to change in order for us to have interior peace, we can really get to a lot of new levels with God. And so, yes, exterior things, we want to see those change. But -hmm. God is interested in all of you and not just your exterior circumstances. And so while you are partnering with Jesus to – see things get changed in the world and get made right. He's going to keep making you right. And if you don't let him do that, then all of the other stuff will get frustrated too. And you might be tempted to just give up.
0: So good good word.
1: Just know you want to make the world a better place. Jesus is coming for you.
0: (laughs) All right. Hey, we've (laughs) got some questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to read them
2: and then then we'll just
0: bat them back and forth. We're going to, see where this takes us. It says, the first one is, what's the difference between enemy oppression and possession? Mm -hmm. Difference between enemy oppression and possession.
1: Yes, that is a very good question. Mm -hmm. It's a very good question. And it's something we don't talk about a lot, I think, in the church, but...
0: I haven't preached any sermons on demon possession yet at Table Church. I mean, we've mentioned it, I'm sure. It's in the queue. It's coming. I'm just kidding. It's actually not. (laughs) Maybe it should be. (laughs) But I this mean, this is, that's is why we have the podcast. About. That's the why, po-
1: These are for the darlings that don't <laughs> make it. Onto, yeah. This uh, is where we talk about the stuff the you wouldn't stage. say on Sunday. Yeah. Because it's just too much. Yeah. So no, um, I, I, I'd talk about this on Sunday. I would too. I would too. It's just a whole conversation.
0: On Probably will sometime.
1: Um, but anyway, so what's the difference between enemy oppression and possession? Okay. So here's what I always say to that. So Satan hates God but Satan can't harm God, can't do anything to touch him. So instead Satan tries to destroy what God has made. So in particular, he wants to destroy the ones who bear his image and that's us. Okay. So Satan rebelling against God and he wants to encourage us to reject God too. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He can't touch God, but he can try to hurt us. So that's how he works with it. So Christians, we can't be possessed by the enemy. Because like we said in that passage earlier, we're full of Jesus. Like we are entirely caught up and hidden in Christ, okay? We're not able to be possessed by anyone but Jesus if we're a believer. But we can absolutely be oppressed by the enemy, which is everywhere in the Bible. You see examples (laughs) of that. And so the difference between possession and oppression is like, you know, you, who owns you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So
0: you've got the 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 demoniac and the garris the garrisene. Gar- the There's no TH. Um you know, he's possessed, right? Like the dude's out of his mind. Um and then Jesus delivers him. Mm-hmm. Uh and then he becomes a Christian, presumably. And um well he does. In fact, Jesus tells him to go to the Go tell out orders. and
1: evangelize. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And so we but then you've got um uh, Paul, who talks about a thorn in his flesh, it's a, like a messenger, messenger. of Satan, <laughs> yep. right? And Paul's not possessed by Satan, mm-hmm. but he's certainly, like, the enemy is certainly trying to draw him off course somehow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what Paul discovers in that is that his weakness is actually God's power. Mm-hmm. And so once again, we have victory, right? <laughs> through, yeah. through being rooted in Christ.
1: And a lot of times people will, I guess, extract from that, like, uh, be thankful for the the hard things you have because they're your cross to bear or something like that. Um, and I think that's not an entirely healthy way to look at that or even necessarily mm. correct. Um, if we stop it saying this is a thorn in my flesh like Paul had, mm-hmm. and I'll just be so thankful that it demonstrates God's power. Mm-hmm. Um, that's maybe not the whole thing that we have. Sure. You know, a lot of times people will stop at this is very hard, but it's my cross to bear. Right. Um, and I, I'm not entirely sure if that's exactly. Because God even (laughs) wants
0: to use that to bring (laughs) redemption. Exactly. It's not enough just for there to be an awful thing in your life. Yeah. Like God wants to bring some sort of redemptive power out of it. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Um, You can finish your thought too. Well, just, you know, he may not take it away as he, Mm -hmm. like he didn't with Paul. Um, But he wants, I guess if you want to call it a cross, it only becomes a cross if it Contributes to the mission of God. Mm-hmm. Which if it's God just suffering yeah.
1: for the sake of you feeling like you're suffering like Jesus did, mm-hmm. that's stopping at something that I think God never says to stop at. Sure. And so you don't have to suffer to glorify God. But as you are suffering, if you entirely surrender that experience, everything that's going on inside of you, everything that it affects on the outside of you, if you're constantly surrendering that to Jesus... Mm-hmm. And then he will constantly be making something new in it, but we don't have to stop at saying, well, thanks God. I'll just keep suffering. And that will remind me about how you suffer. Right. I think that's not the full sure. gospel. You would <laughs> say
0: that there's more to it, that, that there's a redemptive peace even to your suffering. I yes. would say that you will suffer um, for, I mean, that's what a cross is, right? Like yep. you can't take up your cross and not have suffering at some point or another. It's just that God is going to redeem it for his purposes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's just that like subtlety of sometimes I think people will be too quick to say, this is my cross to bear Mm -hmm. and then not realize they can pray into that. And so the real battle isn't just to say, this is the cross to bear. I'm going to white knuckle it. Mm -hmm. But to say, Jesus, I will never stop glorifying you, serving you, doing what you're asking me to do. And as we do this together, I am trusting you with this and I'm asking for healing, but I won't let it stop me. You know, like that kind of thing. But just to stop it, like that's my cross to bear. I'm kind of just earning some suffering points because Hmm. the, the fact is like everything about the Christian life, if it's shaped by the cross is going to end up leading you often into things that are very difficult Mm -hmm. they're not all your cross to bear
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) sometimes the bible even makes it clear that your suffering itself is a witness to the world Mm -hmm. you know blessed are you and people i don't remember what the exact words are now but persecute you for my name's sake or something Mm -hmm. like that you know the beatitudes um like his name is or jesus christ is still glorified through it so yeah anyway anyway so we've camped out there long enough
1: yeah All that to say, as you're going through hard things, I can guarantee there is something that the enemy is going to want to do. Okay, so the enemy... He wants to oppress you. Yeah, he can't change anything that's true about you. He can't possess you. No. You're in Christ. You are a redeemed child of God. That's just it. Mm -hmm. You are possessed by God. You're full of the Holy Spirit. Whatever the enemy tries to do is always just a corruption of what God originally does. And so... Whatever we talk about like enemy possession, just know there's a more powerful full possession that God has over you if you're a believer. Mm -hmm. That's just one and that's it. So you're loved and you're wanted and you're gifted and you're called and Satan hates that. And he can only try to accuse you and confuse you about your identity. He can't Mm -hmm. change your identity. He lies to you and he tries to distort your perception of reality and he wants you to get hurt and then hurt other people. And then that way you start to do his work for him. You're doing his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, really, the enemy cannot change anything about you. He can only try to, you know, mess up your perception yep. of who you are and what that means for your life. Um, and that's when we really become very unhealthy people. There's people who, like we said before. Before you get saved and then after you get saved, there's, there's two parts of life, like before and after. And so once you get saved, um, some of the most powerful things that the enemy can do to tear people down, I think, comes from people who are Christians, but are not aware of what's going on. And that's why I think the letters in the New Testament in particular, all those epistles, they're full of admonishments for people to get sharp and wise Mm -hmm. in the spirit, to stay together, to stay bonded together with love Mm -hmm. and peace and to constantly stay on alert, you know, constant vigilance because there are so many forces trying to steal away what God is doing and distort your perception of reality and tear you away. Yeah. from things of Jesus. It's good. So, uh,
0: yeah, and um, that's this is why, like, we, are, you know, it sounds like Sunday school, but like read your Bible every day, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, if Satan's gonna try to confuse you all the time, believe me, he's like he's probably smarter than you, you know, and um, if you think you can just like kind of get along without having truth spoken to you all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you can keep things straight without that being constantly put into you, Mm -hmm. the truth of Christ, then let me just say you're a lot better than I am. So,
1: yeah. And that's also an argument for like, we know this now, especially with COVID, like, why do I need church? You know, like, why do I need that? Why you need it is because you cannot be alone too much without it hurting you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you have to be around other believers who can help you stay healthy mm-hmm. and you have a responsibility to help them be healthy too. And so if you say like, I don't need church cause I can listen to the Bible on my own and I can go do all these things by myself. That's incorrect. Right. You absolutely must be in community mm-hmm. as God is in community. Right. Um, and so it's important. It's very important because you can read the Bible all the time, stay by yourself and not have a clue.
0: Yeah. Help. It's funny. I've anymore. I've had lots of people tell me kind of how isolated and alone they feel right now and yet they don't want to come to church. Exactly. <laughs> like they don't want to engage in church or they push church Isn't away. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I'm like I think these two feelings are connected. They're you know?
1: Connected and they're just doing each other's work for them. Exactly. You know, I mean like the idea that both like your well, there's like three things. There's your own inner desires mm-hmm. to just stay in a cocoon. Yeah. To avoid pain, and then there's all of the stuff in the world that's just too much to deal with right now, or that you know is actually scary in its own right. Mm-hmm. And then there's the stuff the enemy is doing. And I always use that illustration of like a National Geographic movie where you're watching like a pride of lions go after a wildebeest. Oh, yeah. You know, and they'll like... That's good, good TV right there. I know. It's very compelling, <laughs> but you'll have like that image of like this herd of wildebeests out on the savannah mm-hmm. and then these lions all are like very quiet and sneaky and they're all working together, but they kind of like come around it, observe everybody and pick their, pick their mark, you know? And then yeah. as they, as they move like in for the kill, what do they do? They isolate it. And mm-hmm. so they work together to get that one mark away from the pack and then they pounce. Yeah. And so that's, that's what the enemy does. Well, and that's Peter, what our flesh pulls us to do too.
0: Peter literally compares Satan to a lion. Yep. So
1: ready to devour you. Yeah. That is what's happening every day. So read your Bible and get with people, even if you don't like them all the time. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) You need need it. You need it. There's a little
1: bit of something in my voice. Like, I don't don't care if you don't want to. And
0: it's true. Like, there's been a few times Uh, through COVID where, I don't know, people have been like, come on, people are hurting. Like, they're struggling. It's tough right now. Like, go easy. I'm like, well... The way to help is for them to get into church, you know, like yeah. come to church people. Uh, by the way, you can do both Bible and community at the same time at noon on Tuesdays at Drake Park That's if right. you'd like to come join us.
1: Honestly, it is like some old school, like flashback yeah. good times.
0: Bible study, straight up.
1: You're holding a physical Bible. Yeah. You're sitting outside. It reminds me of college.
0: <laughs> it's great. It is it's awesome. It's like talking about Jesus. Yeah.
1: Talking about Jesus in the middle of your work day. Bearing each other's burdens. It is awesome. Okay.
0: Join us. All right. Next question.
1: Join us. Also join us on October fourth if you can in person.
0: Shameless plug. At the Playhouse. That's right. what,
1: what? What? Bring your church. mask and your yeah. smile.
0: One year birthday. Yeah. We're a year old. Okay. So what? Like a one year old. What are they doing? Oh, I can't. I've had. You know, I've <laughs> got three olds, kids, but I don't remember. Yeah, it's all a blur.
1: <laughs> what are one year olds doing? I mean, they're like starting to like walk around and get. Yeah, they kind of toddling around a little bit. Yeah, they're toddling around and.
0: That's what we're doing.
1: Yeah. We're we're toddling around. Are we eating
0: like solid food? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: That starts between like four and six months, depending on what it is. Really?
0: Like eating Cheerios and stuff? Yeah. Eating Uh little puffs? Yeah. Little puffs. (laughs) Those things are good. Puffs. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're eating puffs. We're toddling around. Mm -hmm. Come celebrate our one year birthday. We're going to smash our face in cake.
1: That's literal. Or me. We are going to. There's going to be cupcakes.
0: Yeah. I don't know about smashing our face, but we're gonna eat cupcakes. We're gonna eat cupcakes safely, cupcakes, distanced.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
0: contact free.
1: So moving on.
0: Listen. Whatever that means.
1: Read your Bible every day. Listen to the Bible every day if that's easier for you. Get into situations where you're constantly exposing yourself to Jesus as like a person that you talk to and Mm -hmm. that you're learning about him, and be with people who are Christians. It matters so much.
0: Yep. Okay. Let's do the next question. It says, I've grown up in a tradition where people used spiritual authority mm. in a way that made me really concerned and uncomfortable. It seemed like a power trip. What was that about? <laughs> I would <laughs> I say, love how
1: You you read these questions with this tone in your voice that I find funny. It's
0: just, that's how they really were thinking. That's exactly <laughs> probably how they um, wrote it. I but wanted this to is say, a good question. yeah, it's a good question, and I just want to point out the fact that you say you grew up in a tradition. Every tradition can do this. Yeah. Okay. You Catholic? Guess what? There's been some real spiritual True. authority abuse abuse of spiritual authority going on.
1: By the way, oh. if you grew up Catholic, I did too. Very seriously Catholic. So if you have any like questions about how to reconcile that with your life right now, I can talk you to you. There you go. I I love and have learned a lot from it.
0: And if you're, um, you know, you grew up non-denom Pentecostal, (laughs) guess what? They can abuse spiritual authority as well. Yes. All the way across the spectrum, it Mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. So there's no one stream. Wesleyans. No, they're exempt. They're perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We've got it figured out.
1: But I love the way that this is. It's it's talking about spiritual warfare, but it's like spiritual authority, Mm -hmm. like ways that people use. The things of God to sometimes knowingly or unknowingly oppress people, you know, yep. in some way or another. Power trip. I agree. Yep. What is that about? What's uh, it about, Phil? No,
0: it's about sin. It's about <laughs> the desire to be God. It's it's the garden. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, God knows you'll be like him.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And people really like that. Even Christians, we want to be God. We don't want him to call the shots. We want to call the shots. And that's what that's about, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll talk about, like, I'll often say that quote from Dallas Willard that there's nothing wrong with the church today that discipleship can't cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we will never, ever stop talking about discipleship, because when you actually know Jesus as a person, not just know about him or like know how to do jesus things but you actually know jesus and are formed Mm -hmm. by relating to him all day long yeah you become like jesus and jesus doesn't ever express his power to oppress or control people he is entirely victorious and, like, everything is, like we said, in the context of victory with Jesus, but he always extends his power for love to, you know, put good into yeah. the world, never to yeah. control you or manipulate you.
0: So, um, yeah. And well, I guess to get, like, a more specific answer, like, as far as what was that about, mm-hmm. let me just say, and this obviously can't cover every scenario, um, sometimes it's just as, you know, people have... Deep sin issues, but
1: we're all insecure and afraid, there, and we handle it in different ways,
0: yes. Um, and also, I could also say, like, at a more of a macro level in evangelicalism, um, I've said this before that the leadership narrative has silenced or overtaken the discipleship narrative mm-hmm. in evangelical Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is that we are obsessed with leadership, like, we have leadership conferences. We have leadership speakers. We have leadership books. Mm -hmm. Everything's about how do I become a better leader? Mm -hmm. Um, There aren't very many discipleship conferences.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of conferences about how to best help people follow you mm-hmm. and to be How a to person influence. worth following, yeah. which is not in itself bad, but it's if often, you aren't following Jesus, yeah,
0: then you're going to just make more problems. Yeah. And, and often that leadership language is couched in the language of discipleship. Yep. Um, so it's tricky. kind of a veneer over it. And I'm making it sound like it's all bad. I love to study leadership. Like mm-hmm. I think it's crucial, you know, and, and um, I, the guys that I disciple, we talk about it often and, uh, so I don't want to make it sound as though I'm drawing like some hard line between the mm-hmm. two or something like that. Like a disciple leads, you know? Yep. Uh, but, but it's just as unfortunate. And I think we're probably seeing the, uh, the results mm-hmm. of a church culture that's obsessed with leadership over and above its obsession with humbly following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways we've, we've rationalized ourselves into thinking that actually one is the other when it isn't. Yeah. They're not exactly. the same. They're different, right? There might be some overlap in some ways and careful scenarios, but these are two different conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at like, if you were to ask, and we're only talking about leadership in the context of the church right now, right. so like Christians, we're mm-hmm. not talking about in general. But as we have all these conversations about leadership, I think it's revealed in the fact that if you talk to a group of 10 evangelicals right now and say, what is discipleship? Nobody's right. really sure how to describe it. Or what was what the last is. book on discipleship you read? Yeah, or like when's the last time that you just got together and learned from mm-hmm. an incredible teacher about discipleship? But if you say what is leadership, they'll say it's influence. Right. Or it's, you know, whatever. they will
0: have they'll have names that they can rattle yeah. off that they've read and, and learned from and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so that just kind of exposes the way the imbalance here. And so getting back to like this power trip that many of us see in churches with, with spiritual leaders, I I think that we've fallen in love with a vision of something that isn't Jesus. Like Mm -hmm. we love the vision of being a good leader Mm -hmm. and all of the things that come with it, you know? Um, and and they're not necessarily bad either.
1: Can you like give like a 30,000 foot quick overview of the four stages? Just really quick.
0: Yeah. So I preached a sermon once um, called The Formation of a Disciple, and it's just covering the whole book of Mark and the, the stages that the disciples seem to go through. And the first one is uh, Show Me. Okay, so this is when Jesus calls them to follow him. They're like, Oh, a rabbi is calling me. Cool, Jesus, what are you going to do? Like, and mm-hmm. Jesus does all these amazing things, and they're like, Wow, that's cool. Okay, so the second state, and you know, you can identify when you're first a Christian, mm-hmm. you're in the Show Me stage. Like, Pretty
1: zealous about Jesus, show me something so cool.
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next is um, Let Me. And shortly after Jesus calls his disciples, he sends them out to do ministry and Mm -hmm. they do a really good job. They, uh, you know, they deliver people from demons, they heal people, they Mm -hmm. preach, people are repenting. Like it's a good day of ministry. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Jesus, look at all the stuff that we did. Mm -hmm. And they think they're on top of the world. Mm -hmm. So show me and let me. Now, here's the thing. I think that in our leadership culture, we stopped there with Mm -hmm. our discipleship. Um, that, That the leadership narrative that we're identifying here has trained pastors, church leaders, to consider those two stages all there is yep. to discipleship. Show me and then let me. So you kind of, you know, You're train somebody up. You're invited
1: into something cool and, and you then you teach go to do, ministry. To do the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. But there's another stage. And is, again, I think chapter 8 in Mark, a mm-hmm. third stage comes along. And Jesus starts, his language suddenly changes where he says, like, I'm going to be, you know, the Son of Man going to be delivered over to the chief priests and like, gonna, he's going to be killed. Like mm-hmm. Jesus predicts his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And the disciples are like, What? Mm-hmm. And uh Jesus is like, uh, you gotta do this. You gotta I can't remember the text now, but um, you know, be baptized in the baptism yeah, that I'm eat. baptized with. Yeah, yeah,
1: or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and so there's this third stage that I call break me. The disciples have to get to the point of recognizing they need to be broken mm-hmm. for for God. Um and it's not all the high and mighty stuff of stage mm-hmm. two, right? Yeah. But there's a certain breaking of your will and of your, you have to submit to whatever God has for you and that what God has for you is a cross.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, like and that's illustrated, like in the night before Jesus is crucified, that he essentially shows them, do you want to sit at this table with me? Then you have to drink this cup you know, yeah. like that is what it takes. If you yeah. want to move forward with me into what I'm here for, what I'm doing, you have to drink this too. Yeah.
0: Yep. So, um, yeah, I just flipped open to, to eight, and of course, um, you asked me to do this in 30 seconds and here we are, but, um, <laughs> Jesus or Jesus says to Peter, well, Peter starts to rebuke Jesus for the fact that Jesus says he's going to ha- be handed over and killed. So Peter starts to rebuke Jesus and then Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in the mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns, at which point Jesus then says, whoever wants me to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, Mm -hmm. break me. That's Mark chapter eight. That's Mm -hmm. what we find. That's the third stage of discipleship. And then the fourth, the fourth stage is send me. So like once you've gone through, you've been broken, then finally you can be sent out um, into the world. And we see this in Mark. At the very end of Mark where he sends his disciples out to do ministry. Like now, like mm-hmm. now they are ready. Um and we often stop at stage two. Yep. Anyway, I, I took that a lot but longer. But then we'll than we talk
1: a lot because we have so much suffering in our lives, we will talk about oh, that's my cross to bear, that's to take up that cross and mm-hmm. do it. But what Jesus is talking about is take up your cross and follow me, meaning whatever it takes, live in the shape of a cross, not in the shape of self. And so it does not mean that you're just going to suffer and that that's just what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Suffering inevitably comes when you follow Jesus, but it's not about just accepting like that's suffering. That's, That's it. It's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about taking up your cross is taking up the sufferings and compassion of Christ. He's not talking about just like suffering because it's just deal with it.
0: To bring Um, it back to the question here. Um, I think a lot of the folks that we see that are perhaps exercising power in a, Mm -hmm. in a poor way, I would argue that they have been discipled to think that stage two is all there is. Yep. Like, I just got to raise up leaders and send them out, raise up leaders and send them out, like mm-hmm. feed the machine. Mm-hmm. They haven't quite gotten to the break me stage. I haven't broken for Christ yet and, and, and taken up their cross yep. and then so that they can truly be sent into the world.
1: Yeah. Which is why you don't feel loved by them. You mm-hmm. feel controlled by them.
0: Yeah. Or used. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. And in the avoidance of pain, in the avoidance of the things that inevitably come when we live a cruciform life we can do so many things to control our environment and other people in order to feel secure because we can't figure out why Jesus isn't enough to make us feel safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And of course
0: this discussion has to be balanced with the fact that there is authority in the church. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you may just not like it. point. Like, like it's, it's not that authority is bad, right? It's actually there and it's supposed to be and it's God ordained. Um, But it can be corrupted. And Mm -hmm. and sometimes the problem's not with the authority. The problem might be with you.
1: Spoken by a couple (laughs) of pastors who...
0: (laughs) Easy for me to say, right? Know a thing or two
1: about being those people Mm -hmm. and talking to those people. Yeah, absolutely. We are are those people. (laughs) And we know we all have the ability to be those people.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. All right. Should we move on from that one? So
1: we'll move on. Yes. So...
0: You give a, yeah, that was a good. thorough answer. I that feel
1: was a, that was quite, <laughs> that was quite thorough. Also, I, I remember what I was going to say, um, if you want to get more into those four stages, if you go to slash resources, um, there is what was the title? Formation of a Disciple. Yeah, Formation of a Disciple. Um, so there's a resource there called The Formation of a Disciple, and there is like a guide you can follow and you can listen to a message all about that. It's really helpful. Yeah. So, There you go. All right. Let's move on.
0: Okay. So uh, what is our next one here? Mm, Oh, just down there. Okay. Have you, Phil and Megan, ever seen spiritual power exercised in the wrong way? How? Yeah, I do it all the time. (laughs) 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 Just being honest. Oh. Uh,
1: I laughed too hard no
0: it's, a, it's a good <laughs> it's good
1: okay but yeah so let's start with that In general, I don't know what um, do you mean by that Phil tell do, me more
0: well uh let's see here am I at times not clear enough with those that I lead leaving them wondering what's going on you know am I at times uh too, do I expect too much sometimes for what is reasonable I don't know right mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. every and every person is different right mm-hmm. every person that you lead is different and so if you have a church of hundred you got a hundred people that have different expectations of you mm-hmm. and and what the church should ask of them or we give said to them
1: before is that authority is actually present and not it's not good or bad like mm-hmm. authority exercised in Christ is a beautiful thing yep and authority is not bad. Um, leadership is not bad and influence is not bad. None of those things are bad. It's just that we see it in such an unhealthy way all around us. So often we sometimes forget that the, Mm. the solution isn't to go escape to the desert. Right. Um, Yeah. It's to submit it to Christ. So Mm -hmm. anyway, if the question is, have you ever seen spiritual power exercised in the wrong way? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, I could give some like nasty stories of like pastoral, like, wrongdoings you know moral failures as we call them
1: not yours no
0: (laughs) (laughs) wait you gotta
1: you gotta track on the fact that you're now talking about in general you've seen these things we're not we just shifted from like talking about like sure i do that all the time i mean like (laughs) i can give you some examples of ways i've failed morally no i mean uh so to be clear phil is talking about egregious in sin the church yeah that i've seen
0: people that i've yeah. witnessed in other pastors as and, have i and um yep. you know we don't need to get into that stuff nope. but but i mean it's there and i would say this that table church um we have a number of really remarkable people who have one way or another ended up with us who have gone through some really nasty i would say um borderline or maybe not borderline. I don't yeah. know. Spiritual abuse.
1: Mm-hmm. Hard stuff.
0: Yeah. Really, really hard stuff. And, and I'm really happy that I, that they, they've found a place with us that where I think they can heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that that's, that's what's happening. I think they would all say it is. I mean,
1: we take it as a really serious charge, right? right. Like, that is something that and Phil it's an and honor. I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we don't handle that lightly and we're aware of how easy it is for us to slip up. And so right. we care so much about staying healthy, that it really does mean like constant vigilance Yes. to not fall the same direction. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's an honor for us to be able to help them, you know, back mm-hmm. into church and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. a lot of respect for those folks. Yeah, and I don't know, what about you, Megan? I've talked a lot. Mm.
1: (laughs) So I have seen spiritual power exercised in the wrong way in many ways. Some have deeply hurt me. Some have just been, you know, annoyances or frustrations or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been very personally touched by that. But at the same time, I think that is something that is present everywhere. You know, I don't think that, like what did we say before you had a denomination to the person's yeah. question grew up in a tradition, a tradition mm-hmm. where people used authority in ways that seemed like a power trip. Um, I think it's true. Like every tradition is going to have that. That's the case, but I have so much more so felt so much liberation by understanding the spiritual power that I have, the authority that I have in Christ. Um, and getting to share that with other people too. So as much as any kind of spiritual power that's ever attempted to oppress me has deeply cut me, I have also through those things understood on a really intense level just how much I have in Christ. And Mm -hmm. so that's been incredible. What that leaves for me is this sense that like any time that I want to be lazy and settle for just manipulating people subtly or yeah. asking too much of someone mm-hmm. or not asking enough of someone because I don't want to put the energy in.
0: <laughs> and that's what I meant when I said I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Those types of things like you guys, it is an everyday mm-hmm. thing. I had somebody, well, this happens a lot, but just recently somebody said to me, I feel like for you, because you're a pastor, it's your job to spend time with jesus and so i think it's a little easier for you to fit it into your day mm. you know but i just feel like it's really hard and i was like oh do you have any idea how hard it is to like, stay i have healthy? five kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was more thinking like oh. there's just so much that's true by the way <laughs> yeah. nothing will drive you to the feet of jesus more <laughs> than having one two three yeah. four five children mm-hmm. um But anyway, like there is just so much in your day because your job is God, (laughs) (laughs) that it's so difficult to like stay clean because everything is, you're trying to get stuff done in the context of the church where it's just all one thing, which I mean is a calling, right? But yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to do. So anyway, in the context of leading people spiritually, every ordinary thing that anyone needs to do to try to stay healthy and holy and kind and humble and all of that, once you start doing that in the context of leading people directly to Jesus and empowering people to do ministry and all of that, everything gets so much more dicey Mm -hmm. so fast. And that's why so many people have stories about You know ways that people have exercised spiritual power and authority the wrong way Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to get off track when you're leading people spiritually, Um, and I find it to be a daily challenge Mm -hmm. to stay on the Jesus (laughs) side. Yeah. So (laughs) as
0: we're kind of talking about like the role of church leaders and stuff, I might just say this is this is the uh, the verse that I kind of go to as the key for how I understand my job as a pastor. It says Christ himself gave, this is Ephesians 4, 11, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And in other words, my, my job isn't necessarily to do all the work. It's like to help people. It's to equip people to be built up in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, so that everybody, uh, can be brought to the fullness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like we're equippers are, and that's part of why we do this podcast is hopefully mm-hmm. something we say here today helps you live into the fullness of Christ that you can do it for someone else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so,
1: and yeah. I think I would say like, just to put it out there, um, pastors, there's a lot going on for pastors, mm-hmm. but I would say one of the things that hurts me the most as a pastor is when I feel like I am being used, mm-hmm. you know for someone else's ends. And so as much as we talk sometimes about how people in leadership can abuse people, there are also many times I think some of the deepest hurts that I've had as a pastor come from times where I have felt like um, someone has attempted to use me to their own ends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that it goes both ways. and so <laughs> particularly because I guess I know there's a lot of pastors that listen to this podcast. We understand that and yep. that it becomes incredibly hard to know what you did wrong and how you've been wronged and mm-hmm. all of those types of things and to work it out. And you're often alone in it. Yeah. There's often nobody there to counsel you directly in the moment. Yeah. So we're here for you too. Hmm.
0: <laughs> so leading a church in COVID is, I want to say, I, I, doing anything in COVID is hard. I mean, the people that run Zoom are probably really happy uh-huh. right now. It's
1: like threading a needle with gloves on or something. Yeah, it's but tough. like
0: any, any, everything's hard right now. Yeah. I would say that leading a church is a very unique situation. And there's all sorts of things out right now about the struggle that a lot of pastors are having. Mm-hmm. And uh, so.
1: Because you're so alone. Yeah. The people and are so The
0: anxious. expectations right now are very yes. invisible, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, our, our job is to help you or help those in our church be equipped and built up um, to do ministry. Mm-hmm. That's why we exist. We're, we're, um, we're not here to do it for everybody. We're mm-hmm. here to help others do it. In fact, you could say that when we became pastors, we left the ministry because it's really, the people in our church that are on the front lines. Mm-hmm. It's you know?
1: so true. My life is so different now, and yeah. in so many ways, that is true of me, mm-hmm. that it's all about empowering other people, and I get to do a lot less mm-hmm. than I used to with hands-on stuff. So, but anyway, right. that, um, yeah, all that to say.
0: Yeah, wrap us up, Megan. Uh, <laughs> Land the plane for me.
1: Spiritual power exercise in the wrong way. It happens every day. And never forget that the way that it happens the most is in the tiny ways, like like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast. Spiritual victory is lived out in those everyday, ordinary, invisible to other people usually, choices that you make um, to follow Jesus and not your own desires and not the enemy and to not please people, but to just follow Jesus. Um, so that is really where like spiritual power and authority has power to form you one way or another. So anyway, um, every day is gonna come for you. (laughs) (laughs) But all that, to say the last word, we wanna say is that love disarms evil. Remember, we've talked about evil in the past is, I don't remember my exact definition now, but evil is anything that corrupts Mm -hmm. God's original intent for something. And so that can be sin. It can be stuff that just goes wrong that we don't have answers for. Um, All of those things, your own choices, stuff people do to you, all of that is evil and love disarms the power of all of it. Um, So St. Augustine I, I read this once um, it said true whole prayer is nothing but love. And cool. I think that's true. True yeah. whole prayer is nothing but love. And so when you look at it that way, that love fuels everything like God, isn't just loving God is love and everything that God does isn't just loving, but it is love. So that's what he is doing. And when you pray, when you unite yourself with God, that's why we're talking about prayer, reading your Bible, all of those types of things. Those keep you united in communion with Jesus in the midst of your life. That's really what it's all about. Staying rooted in love as you go do other things. So exercising authority in Christ, it reflects the person of Christ. So when, like we were talking about before, when we operate in Jesus's authority, what we do is always ruled by love and compassion. So not anger or control or pride or fear. So if you've seen people confront darkness and evil in any way that didn't communicate love, then I'm sorry about that. Mm-hmm. And Phil and I have probably done it to some of you too, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. We sometimes can do that. And so, but it's possible. It's possible to confront evil and darkness even within our own hearts and within other people's hearts, but do it in a way that communicates love. I remember there was a time I had a really, really hard conversation with one of my team members once. This is probably three or four years ago. Um, and they were in just a really, really rough place. And they knew it. Like, it's not like they were blind to it. But we had a bit of an impasse about what that would mean for um, how they could lead in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we we had this conversation, it was probably like an hour and a half long. It was one of those really hard day kind of conversations for, you know, it's a, it's a big deal, it's a mm-hmm. big deal. Um, and as we were leaving my office, I remember she was like, we had completely not come to an agreement about mm-hmm. what she was gonna do, you know? And I remember as we were walking out, before I opened the door, she said, I feel so loved. I don't tell that story to be like, look, I did it so great. But what I'm saying is I was even surprised by that. But all I was doing the entire time we were having this conversation was attempting to compassionately love her as actively as I could, but not back down on what I Mm -hmm. knew needed to stay in place
0: and you can do both at the you same
1: can time. do both and what was funny is like i was even surprised she felt that way yeah. and she just she almost had this confused look on her face like she was like i've not ever experienced this exact feeling in mm. my life like this sensation of being in total disagreement about so many important things with someone yeah. else and also i feel so loved i don't know how to like what is happening right now mm. and i was like uh
0: That's cool. Jesus. But anyway,
1: I'll never forget that. And I remember the whole time I'm just trying to be so intentional with what I'm saying. And I know we are just in such a harsh, you know, impasse with what's going on. Um, but it's possible and I've never forgotten that. And it's something that I try to just hold on to in those hard times. Um, you can disagree and radically love someone and it means something significant. So, um, yeah. So there you go. All so right. All so
0: uh, next week we'll be back. Is next week the last gonna be the last installment of practicing victory?
1: Um or we just kinda... yes, I believe so. Okay. Well Well what's happening is surprise. this is supposed to be like three weeks long, but we kept talking too much. Yeah, we never and get And so to then the end. it keeps getting extended. <laughs> okay. Cool. But that's not so bad. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean you there's guys no have rules. Loved these.
0: There's no rules here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's no <laughs> rules. <laughs> all right. Do you want to do, do those really, really, really quick questions or do you have to go?
0: Uh, no, I don't have to go. We, we got some rapid fire questions. We all do.
1: Right. We do. Down, down here, we got some rapid fire questions. I don't have to go. I just want land. to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you have yeah. like
1: something more important to do? Like,
0: well, there's a few things that I could be doing right now. Okay. But here you are with me and yeah. all of us. Right. In a way, yeah, I'm with are. everyone.
1: In a way, you're with everyone. Isn't no, that I'm good. Special? Yeah. I'm good. This matters. Think, these words, they're gonna go to space. This Bill. is time and well then spent. They're gonna come back down yeah. into the ears the of people we do and do not know. <laughs> um, all all right, right, y'all. Rapid fire. Okay,
0: first concert you ever went to?
1: Mm, Carmen. Amazing.
0: 1996. Was it? Was it the Omaha? Uh, I mean, what was the album? Oh. I which
1: can... one was it at the time? I don't remember. Okay. But. Well, did he sing the champion? Right. Yes. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine was uh, my mom took me to Amy Grant oh, when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good concert.
1: That's awesome. She's, yeah, I've I've she's seen some, Amy. Grant. She's got some good I mean, songs. Like, that is like a blast. Yeah. from the past. No, no sure. doubt.
0: <laughs> okay, what will you drink in heaven? I'm a Hawkeye fan, and I know that there's no beer there. Sorry, that's a really. <laughs> Most people aren't going to know what I'm talking about. You know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Every time the Hawkeyes win a football game, there's a, a polka song that we sing. Uh-huh. And it says, in heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here. And when we're gone from here, our friends will be drinking all the beer. Yeah. That's what Hawkeye yeah. fans sing after yeah. they win. It's ridiculous. So there won't be beer in heaven. This is Hawkeye theology. So
1: that's what, yeah, theologically sound <laughs> right there. Yeah. My-
0: so, I don't drink beer right now either, though, so. <laughs> I've never had beer in my life. I've never had alcohol in my life. I'm, I've been Wesleyan too long.
1: Mm-hmm. What will I drink in heaven? My first answer was wine. Mm. Um, How biblical. Yes. But <laughs> uh, if we're getting to the heart of this, which is what is your perfect drink? Like sure. If I was in perfection, yeah. it would be wine. Good wine. Oh, yeah. But also, because I cannot drink that right now.
0: <laughs> we should clarify. Wesleyan <laughs> we need- <laughs> pastors can't drink alcohol. Okay, by by discipline. I have
1: not had a drop since I signed my first, you know, Wesleyan covenant, covenant membership. to uh, become a ministerial student long ago. Yeah. But before that, I had a deep and significant love for good mm-hmm. good wine. I had wine tastings at my house, things like yeah. that. Um, ask me about wine sometime <laughs> and enjoy some. So, how about in wine? In my stead.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never had alcohol isn't yeah. that weird to say? I'm yeah. 36. I
1: feel like I've had enough for both of us in my time. <laughs> so Always responsibly? we're good. No. Oh, okay. But not, you know. <laughs> I was trying to give I, you an alley-oop there. Yeah, no, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but not for a while, Phil. Right, it's right, right. It's been a long time. You've been a Christian. You know, I'm redeemed. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, wine and black coffee. Black coffee.
0: I'd probably I'm probably gonna drink a lot of water in heaven. I feel like so I, I, do could, now.
1: I could drink so much black coffee and never get the jitters. You just drink as much coffee as you want.
0: I don't drink pop, I don't drink alcohol, and I don't drink coffee. You
1: do drink those waters that I get for the fridge though. The bubblies. The bubblies.
0: There's carbonated water. The aha waters. Yeah. Is that considered pop?
1: No. Okay. It's, it's literally it's water. It's sparkling water. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So and those I, are delicious. I drink a lot of water. All right. What's your life theme? Mm. Mm-hmm. So this comes from our discipleship pathway. There's mm-hmm. an exercise on our discipleship pathway where you get to establish your life theme. Mine, you get to establish your you life theme. You get to establish. <laughs> Mine is awakening hearts and minds to the words of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's yours? I think that's true of you. Yeah, I do that. Mine is words that move. Words that move. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's my life theme. Sums us up. Yep. It does. <laughs> And, right. and the
0: beautiful thing about those is it brings clarity to life when you're making big decisions. What's Well, this is what I think I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. awaken hearts and minds to God's words. Okay. Mm-hmm. I should probably be a preacher.
1: Mm-hmm. You can live that out wherever mm-hmm. you are. That's it's it. It's true. Hey, y'all, listen. I'm listening. We are so pumped to um, hear from you. If you have mm-hmm. questions about anything that we've talked about this week or in weeks or if you've got any questions or topics or things like that that you want to uh, have us cover in the future, there's a really easy way to get a hold of us. I hope you can remember this. Go to podcast at tablechurchdsm.org. That's the email address. Don't go there. Don't go there. I'm so used to telling people to (laughs) go to the website. Just go to... (laughs) (laughs) Get <laughs> yeah. did it again email email us go podcast. ahead i was gonna say go ahead and don't go there just yeah. email us so email us at podcast at table dsm.org any questions you've got any yeah. comments you've got we'd love to hear from you um somebody kind of asked a question and felt like they were bothering me i was like no 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 we need to know what to podcast say podcast
0: material <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we got to get better at giving these little plugs at the beginning of the podcast, not an hour and seven minutes in. Mm-hmm,
1: that's true. Anyway, you got questions <laughs> still about anything, podcast at tablechurchdsm.org. And if you are so inclined, please open up your phone right now and go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us there so it's easier for your friends to find us.
0: Totally. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.